What's up, y'all? This your boy Desmond, and it's Michael. Welcome to Channel Noir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The channel for your listening pleasure. We created this podcast because we felt it was needed for ourselves. We felt it was needed for the people around us, the people we love. Mm-hmm. We think we're just two dope, creative black boys on this campus who um, have a perspective that needs to be heard. So I'm Michael. We both go to Kansas State University. We're seniors. I'm majoring in social sciences with an emphasis on global development. And I have this need for travel, this need for um, a global perspective. And I think that this is what this podcast is going to give us. It's going to give us that international feel. It's going to give us that global perspective and insight on things that we're going through on campus, issues worldwide, pop culture, music, uh, movies, all of the above. For sure, for sure. And I am Desmond. I'm a senior in software engineering. Favorite creative photographer, videographer. Yes, sir. Hype them up. <laughs> Anything you need creative, I'm your man. I'm your man. But this podcast is so much more than Kansas State University. This podcast is for those black boys who needed some role models, those black boys who didn't know, didn't think that they're the only ones going through the things that they're going through. Um, any person, especially any person of color on a PWI campus, who feel isolated, who feel different. Uh, it's for my queer people who feel like they don't have a voice. It's for my people who live in this intersectionality and mm-hmm. don't know uh, which to express first, mm-hmm. who has to perform on it every day and don't know who to talk to or where to go. Hopefully mm. this is your weekly form of release. Um, and that's what we're here for. We're here to for all of your listening pleasures. We're going to be talking about sometimes some random things, <laughs> sometimes things on topic, but just kind of vibe with us. Yeah, and we're gonna, we have a bunch of different subjects. So we, we have a plethora of things from black masculinity, from uh, masculinity in general, toxic masculinity, the, the church, mm. um, queerness. Uh, we're two men who both identify as very different things, but we share mutual identity, which is uh, we're both black men who face very similar different things, who walk this earth very similarly, but also different at the same time. So we are connected on that, but we're going to talk about pop culture. We're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about our lives, things that happened to us. Like today, for example, was a great day. It's going to be 72 degrees outside, y'all. My goodness. 72 degrees. Since when? Like, when's the last time we had that? I feel like winter was so rough. Oh, yeah, this winter went crazy. But I, at the same time, I kind of feel like it made up for the lack of winters these past, like, five years. This five years, this winter's been spring. And this year, <laughs> this year yeah. the, the climate was mad at us and said, all right, now, that's enough of that. We had snow in, in March. Like, snow at the beginning of March. It's, it's Kansas. I, I expect stuff like that sometimes. I'm new to this. So, this Kansas, y'all have to... <laughs> Memphis boy over here. Yes, Memphis born and raised, 901 represent. And I'm, I'm super excited because um, this podcast is also going to bring so many different perspectives, like we said before. Um, so, like I said, I'm Michael from Memphis, Tennessee. So, I represent the South all the time, and I'm very loud about it. And you have my boy Desmond, who's from. <laughs> I'm from the Dot, yes, Wyandotte County, Kansas City, Kansas. You already mm-hmm. know what it is. 913, if you heard. So, not only do we share identities, we share very unique cultures coming from coming from Wyandotte me coming from Memphis very urban areas mostly black 
counties and things like that. So we're going to be sharing those perspectives and what it's like to walk this campus from a very urban field to a very small town. For sure, for sure. Actually, speaking of camp, what what was that thing you showed me today, earlier? Oh, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You the DM, Kansas legislature. Yeah, okay, you so, DM me something on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about that a little bit. So, so actually, these two students are my friends. So two of my fr- well, three of my friends, um, Katie, John, and Nate, they went to Kansas legislative in Topeka today and um, they're trying to fight for the wage gap of of housing equality and different things like that and so let me pull it up so I can so I can um, quote so this is the tweet it says three K-State students who hung and signed have been escorted and banned from the Kansas legislative state house and so the sign says so they're trying they're fighting for the expansions of Medicaid and so the sign says, their blood is on your hand. So it's this long, like, 20-feet sign that was hung for, like, five minutes on the Kansas State Legislative. And it's, like, a bunch of people looking everywhere. So three Kansas State un- uh, University students got escorted out of the Kansas Capitol today for this. And apparently not only they got escorted, but they're now banned mm. from the Kansas State Legislative, which is crazy, yeah, right? And so... Um, it's crazy that our students are getting banned from the legislative for bringing light to issues. And these are not just students who are, like, protesting because they love the protest, right? Mm-hmm. These are individuals that I can speak for that have put the work in and are educated on this subject to talk about it, to talk to their senators, to talk to their congressmen, and no one was doing anything. They did things on Twitter. They went back and forth um, to Topeka. They are part of multiple organizations that like do this work and they felt like this was needed. And so it got super, like a lot of media attention. And it's crazy to me that these students got banned from their capital. And so now I'm like, where do I sign up? (laughs) Especially not being from Kansas. I feel like I don't have nothing to lose. No, for sure. But Kansas, y'all crazy. It's going, it's (laughs) K-Staters are crazy specifically. They out here really protesting. Yeah, and it's—I mean, that's good. Like, and they're protesting for the expand the uh, the expansion of Medicaid, right? And mm-hmm. over like over a hundred thousand people are like dying and like don't mm-hmm. have the access to Medicaid that they need mm-hmm. for a bunch of plethora reasons, right? And so, as humans, especially living in this world um, where diseases are rapid and like we have access to all these different types of hormones and um, different things like that that affects our body people need to be able to go to the hospital like people need to be able to have this genuine health care and stuff like that and so it's crazy that we even have to fight for these things mm-hmm. and it's more crazy that <laughs> these students got banned from the capital for i don't know speaking out about it Mm-mm-mm. it kind of makes me think about how uh i guess how often people protest at a level that actually people can pay attention to. Like this is one of the first acts of anything political I've seen since whew, a while, specifically in Kansas, mm-hmm. uh, that I've seen people actually participate in something that again, got public attention. It has been a while. Especially on campus. I Like campus has been very quiet. Super quiet. Super quiet lately, which I mean, one could say is a really good thing. Like, yeah. Even though, like, you know, we have our own opinions, like, things happen on campus every day, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a very good 
space for that yeah. is that we can shed light on our everyday struggles, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially us being in all these different areas, like me being super involved and mm-hmm. uh, same as you. Um, so that like stuff happens to us. And I, so I, I don't know if I sent it to you or not, but one of the girl, her name is, she started a blog and it's literally a blog about her everyday journeys here at K-State, right? Mm-hmm. And one of her first, first posts is about her. She used to be in, in a sorority. She doesn't mention any names because she gives like a very, this is, her blog is just for her to like to share and express this so she can heal and process through it. Mm-hmm. And so she has no intentions to um, like to get anyone, you know, hurt or in trouble or like anything like that. So she doesn't mention any names or organizations and things like that. But it's crazy because one of the first stories is about a group chat when she was in a sorority. And in a sorority, the girl would, the girl, some girl asked, it was like, hey, like what are great places on, camp- on in Manhattan where you can get your hair cut? So people are just like going down and saying all these places where you can go get a haircut. Mm-hmm. So this one girl decided to say, you can get your haircut at Great Clips N-Word. Oh no. So just like, yeah, you can get your haircut at the Great Clips N-Word. Just like very casual, very like, you know, just very casual and in the main group chat. And so in the blog, she talks about how uncomfortable uh, she was. Like oh, she yeah. didn't know what to say. And also she was like the first mm-hmm. black person in the history of this sorority to like be a member of it. Mm-hmm. So that's already a lot of yeah, like, it's already a lot um, instantly. It's in, and, and I was talking about this in class of like a lot of weight that's on your shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. Being the only black person in an environment, in mm-hmm. your classroom, in your that these people get to meet and interact with, right? So now you have to carry all of this weight on your shoulders because you're the first black person that they have to interact with, right? right. You're their go-to. So now when they think of black people, they think of you and the positive and negative influences that they had mm-hmm. um, that they, they had with you. And so, so she talks about how uncomfortable that she was. And later, you know, she, she didn't know what to do because she didn't want to say anything in the group chat and be ostracized and be seen as like, you know, very negative and had, you know, stuff. She's she was brand new into Sherelle. So she, you know, wanted to fit in and stuff like that. So she didn't know what to do. And so what really made her uncomfortable is that the girl who said great clips and where screenshotted it out of the group chat because mm-hmm. it got a lot of likes likes on it, their particular uh post. You know, in group me you can like the post. Mm-hmm. And so she posted on like her Finsta and it was like, sometimes y'all should take risks because this time this risk really paid off. And so the girl is referring to her saying the N-word what? in her sorority group chat as a risk what? that she took and how it paid off because she got a lot of like positive feedback. As oh, in like no. People was liking it. No, no one really no. said anything bad. And so when she saw that, she got even more like... The Caucasity. <laughs> <laughs> so like now she's even more like frustrated because she don't know what to do and so now she's again back in this situation where like do i speak up and and so she left us on a cliffhanger as far as like her blog readers readers because she didn't really tell us what she did and she leaves us so she tells us that she got kicked out of the sorority hmm. but doesn't say why right so wow. now she's like so now it's like a tv show wait till her next blog post and so now everyone's excited it, i don't know like it went kind of like the um, the white girl got kicked out of the sorority? No, the black girl. Okay. She no. got kicked out of the sorority. And I don't think it's for this or anything that she did for this. I think it's its own. Oh, so uh, I think it's her own um, 
I don't know. I don't think she did anything bad, but she said she's going to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm super excited to hear, like, what's going on, like, what's going to be next. Yeah, no, that's a crazy story. It's crazy, right? And so I said that to say that, like, stuff happens on this campus that people just don't know about, not because they're super big issues, but because it's just the everyday, like, life of being a person of color in this campus. I actually don't think I've ever, well, I have heard things like that. But to be so bold, <laughs> to be so bold, you just out here using N words however you want to. That's crazy. And you know the whole group is white. 100%. The entire group in there is white. Hundred percent. And then this is one black girl. It's almost like what y'all been saying in here when I wasn't in here. Yeah. <laughs> what was what was going on in here before? Great clips. Oh my god. And then not to mention how great clips is an awful Oh my an awful service. Sports I mean, clips. Great clips. Anything with clips in the name <laughs> should just be banned. It's it's awful. And then it's crazy how like I hear a lot like when I had Spotify um, Spotify free or whatever and I get mm-hmm. a lot of commercials. They they advertise their commercials as like um you get the extra like face massage or like the face towel. And the warm, it's like they don't necessarily like market the haircuts. They market <laughs> the like face, the hot face towels that you get on your face and around your neck and stuff that people love so much. It's just like come to Great Clips <laughs> and get a face towel. <laughs> what it's kind just, of marketing? <laughs> they know their haircuts trash. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's that monopoly stuff. <laughs> Ain't nobody got nowhere to get their haircuts, so they got to go to Great Clips. And isn't it funny to think about though, like. What what haircut or like or like beauty supply chain as far as like cosmetics and like where you can go get your hair done that is monopolized the way that Great Clips is like yeah, what everywhere. place where you go to Memphis and you can get your hair cut at this salon and you go to Atlanta or Kansas City and they also have the same salon mm-hmm. right when you think about like salons or like salons not salons <laughs> <laughs> you think about very like local places and things like that it's I don't know it's just crazy to think about how like Great Clips kind of like mm-hmm. took a hold of a market that hasn't been yeah it's really weird. I also think that might be part of why they're so bad because <laughs> they're care. such a big chain. Because if you're a barber, you're going to own your own barbershop. You right. can't duplicate yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? If you're an amazing mm-hmm. hairdresser at a hair salon, you probably have your own salon. And again, you can't duplicate yourself. And you can't go do hair both in Kansas and in Tennessee. It's almost impossible. Right. That's why Great Clips has to be terrible. They're just random people that they pick up along the way. <laughs> It's almost like getting your haircut at a, at a barber school. Have you? Ever, so like when I was in middle school, they used to they used to do at the beginning of the year, like going when you go back to school, barber school used to give away free haircuts. Mm-hmm. And so my grandma was like, "Why am I gonna pay for you? I get a haircut when they give it out for free?" I hated it because we would go and it's these people who are learning to become barbers, and they are cutting my hair. I'm like 12 years old, and I don't really know what I want, but. I walk out looking ridiculous. Mm. I walk out looking, feeling like I just walked out of Great Clips. And that's kind of remind, reminded me. It was like they just hired these people who didn't even like. No, that really happened to me, too. I don't know why we thought that was okay. <laughs> like, my mom, one of my mom's male friends, he was just like, you should take him down to that barber school <laughs> to get his haircut because it's cheaper. It's like $7 haircut. Yeah, it was like 5 Why did we think that was okay? <laughs> like, why would people learning how to cut hair 
you want your son to get their hair cut by them. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why my mom thought that was okay. I came out, my hairline looked like an asymptote. <laughs> it was it, it was approaching zero. It was crazy. It was so crazy, like a bunny slope. I didn't feel half as bad, though, because the barber school was around the corner from my middle school, mm-hmm. so a lot of black boys got their hair cut there. Oh, man. So I, I didn't... I didn't feel awful about it. But my dad used to cut my hair, too, and he was awful. My mom actually told him to never, ever cut my hair again. That's crazy. Uh, because he used to mess it up. And it was just having me going to school looking ridiculous. Like, wow. honestly, that reminds me of, like, something that you see on Twitter and, like, talk about, like, parenting. Oh, yeah. And how, like, a kid was in school, like, cutting up, and then the, the mom would give him the, just, like, old, mom, uh, old, like, oh, yeah, old like person haircut. Like, how do you feel about that? Do you think that, nah. like... And how I personally feel about it, it's like I think middle school is probably one is probably worse than prison. To be honest, like middle school is the worst. Middle school worst part of school ever. Middle schoolers are awful people. Oh like, my god! And then to for me, it was it was like an awful like time in my life because I don't know going through puberty and mm-hmm. like so my everything in my body was so weird and I was short and like. It looked like my head was deformed because I had like <laughs> these super big teeth and my lips wasn't hadn't grown in Man. yet. And I had these big ears, and so like nothing kind of like was ready. And it's like you get made fun of, and like yeah. people just did not care. And it's, so like to send your kid to school with another reason to be made fun of. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that's like yes, yeah, good it, teaching your kid a lesson, or nah, is it like it's it's too much embarrassment going on? There's a way to teach your child a lesson without embarrassing them for sure it's it's almost like even in game of thrones right <laughs> there's <clears throat> queen's queen cersei at one point had to do the walk of shame where she's just walking down in the middle of king's landing and people just throwing stuff at her and that's what it that's what middle school kind of felt like if exactly. your mom ever did something crazy to you like that you're just walking down the hallway and they're like what is going on in this boy's head Especially because middle school is definitely it's the height of bullying. Oh my god! It is like if any if any grade is the the best at bullying, it's sixth and seventh grade. They got it down to a science. Down to a science. It's not high school. High school was it, it's okay, but it's not really that bad as bullying as middle school. Middle school is by far the worst I've ever experienced for sure. I feel like high school kind of got it to the point where like you're starting to kind of figure out who you are and it's multiple people who are doing that right so you can mm-hmm. kind of find especially if we go to a big high school i went to a smaller one but like you starting to find more people like you right mm-hmm. so like you have your clear subsections of high school like you have yeah. your nerds you have your jocks you have your uh-huh. people in between you have your cool kids you have you know but like mm-hmm. in middle school it's just kind of like cool and lame and then everyone is still trying to figure out themselves yeah and so you have so much more to like pick at and like I think that's why I got in trouble in middle school, honestly, <laughs> for real. I, I got bullied all the time, but a lot of it was colorism, mm. people talking about how dark I was. Mm-hmm. But I got in trouble because I would rebuttal. <laughs> but I would rebuttal louder. <laughs> I would rebuttal in class louder than the person talking to me mm-hmm. would. So I would be the, always the one to get in trouble versus the person who actually started the bullying. It's crazy. It's crazy because, I mean, in middle school, I was super tiny, so... They, I got called all the gays. Mm-hmm. I got called all the faggots. I got called. Um, so I got. I never got physically bullied though. Yeah. I always got yeah, like verbally bullied. Yeah. No one ever put their hands on me. So yeah. it was also a real time because <laughs> at the time my parents used to always like. Anytime I got in trouble at school, I was just I was super talkative, mm-hmm. and so I never really got in trouble for anything except for talking because I was honestly I was scary like. Mm-hmm. 
my daddy could yell at me instead of giving me a whoop and I act up. Like I act right, mm-hmm. right? And so my, my dad, anytime I get in trouble, he'd come to school like, yeah, you know, me and his mom just got divorced. So, you know, he's kind of acting out because they got we got divorced. And so, I don't know, middle school was just kind of a, a crazy time growing up. Uh, trying to figure out, especially as a, like a, a gay man, like trying mm-hmm. to a gay kid, honestly, mm-hmm. trying to figure out like where you are in this world, like, yeah. and understanding that, like, and growing, and, and I'm saying this because people think that like it's this certain age where you just realize things are wrong with you, mm-hmm. and I realized this when I was in the second grade that and and that I liked guys, and it was nothing like sexual because. I'm in second grade. Like, who knows anything about sex? Right, right. But, like, it was more so, like, if I was to go on the playground, I would rather play with boys. But it was also confusing because I'm, like, as a boy, boys play with boys, right? Mm-hmm. And so it was, like, I don't know. It was just a weird feeling that I had. And so growing up, trying to figure it out, especially when you live in a very traditional household, very Christian household, very, like, mm. masculine household. Mm-hmm. where my dad would, like, put me on every sports team. When I say I played football and track and baseball and mm-hmm. everything, and he wanted to build houses and fix cars and mm-hmm. do all this other stuff. And it kind of created this rift between me and my dad because I was trying I was trying to say n- no, yeah. but I ended up doing it because I didn't want to like disappoint my dad. And so it was, I don't know, it's just a crazy intersection to, to realize growing up. And especially lately, like I've been, you know, hearing all of this, like, gay people are trying to turn kids gay with all this stuff on the media and oh stuff like God. that. I'm just like, and so, like, and I've been, I don't, know, I don't know why this resurfaced on, like, Twitter and other places lately, mm-hmm. but, like, to me, I, I that doesn't make sense to me. Because especially, and to me, this is, a, this is something that I think especially people of color should recognize. And women, anybody, it's mm-hmm. like, when you see... This is and to me this is why I think like Black Panther was such a big deal, right? Mm. Like when Black Panther came out, black people was like, "What? Like a black superhero?" Yep. And so, and I think the same thing about like gay people, like when you read a children's book and it's about like gay parents or or that or a kid have a gay parent or like uh you see a TV series and one of the characters like one of the adults are gay or something like that. I don't see that as a gay agenda i see that as representation so yeah. like as a, a 11 year old boy mm-hmm. it makes sense like my struggle the things i went through it starts to validate that and, and allow it to make sense in my mind yeah because growing up like you don't see that like mm-hmm. se- like sexuality is it's not something that's sexual for you so mm-hmm. like when you're 11 years old you don't know how to express your sexuality mm-hmm. In a way, when then when you then sexuality kind of turns into this thing that's become sexual when you become like eighteen and mm. sexually active and start like your hormones starting to kick in, right? right, right and right. so pre hormones, like well pre puberty, I should say, you're like you're kind of in this ambiguous box of like confusion, mm-hmm. like you don't know where you belong, mm-hmm. and um, like I said before about this this cross sections of intersectionality of like do I fit in with the guys or like, am I black enough for this? Or does this make me less black or does it make me less of a, of a, of a boy? Mm-hmm. <sighs> I don't know. So it's very complicated to, um, so like it get, it gives me very mixed feelings. And speaking about gay people, uh Oh, this, <laughs> this Jesse Smollett situation. Goodness. Ooh. 
This is like the weirdest case it's so, I've ever seen. So interesting. It's like the weirdest case I've ever seen, for sure. And so I know a lot of people know about it at this point, but the latest thing to come out was that a lot, all of 16, all of, which is all of his felonies, 16 of his felonies was dropped. How you feel about it? Uh, it's so weird, man. I've been reading a couple articles. Somebody said there was uh, some point where Michelle Obama actually mm. hit up somebody's attorney. I want to say Jesse Smollett's attorney or something, or and said, or maybe it was a prosecutor or something. And she said, Jesse Smollett, the Smollett family is concerned. That's what they put in the quote. Mm-hmm. The Jesse Smollett family is concerned. And then they, that was it. And then it, it was weird. Now it's like a couple of days later and everything is washed away, kind of. See, to me, it's really weird because Chicago, number one, let's just talk about Chicago for a second. Oof. Chicago police force has been known no. to be the most corrupt yep. police force. Laquan McDonald. In the nation, yep. right, and and not only like you can name cases where the police force, well, Chicago police force is just weird, like like you just said, um, and even like R. Kelly situation, like mm. when he was paying police officers mm. to like allow him to do what he was doing, and not only that, but like help him, um, like capture and like manipulate these young girls, right, and so like he had Chicago police in his in his back pocket, like that wasn't a thing for you know that wasn't nothing and so for me this situation is is very like it's very hard to wrap your mind around because there's so many details and for me if i was to put myself in like in jesse's shoes yeah for just for just a second like if i was to if i was to frame myself i'm not saying he did it or he didn't do it but if i was to do it if i was to frame myself of getting my tail beat why would i hire two big black Nigerian men uh-huh. to beat my ass and wear a MAGA hat, right? Like, why wouldn't I be more intentional uh-huh. with this if I if if my if if it was intended for me to for it to be a hate crime, mm-hmm. right? Like, if it was supposed to be like these MAGA people who beat me up because I was black or because I was gay and start saying homophobic like uh-huh. slayers and things at me uh-huh. like to me this just doesn't make sense a lot of it don't make sense it's uh it's so interesting and it's crazy because more and more people are coming out saying that like they're disappointed and like even like and these are like police officers and like I think the mayor said something oh, yeah. about how like they're disappointed in actually, like the I, results. I actually made a, I actually bookmarked that tweet. I'm gonna read this. So the headline was Chicago mayor slams Jesse Smollett after the charges dropped. He said it was a whitewash of justice. First mm. of all, I don't think he used the word whitewash correctly <laughs> at all. I think that might be the worst use of whitewash I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. But that's a segment. This man quoted the tweet and said, just a note, Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who is the mayor of Chicago, mm-hmm. has literally never said this much about a single documented case of police brutality during his reign of terror. Chicago has paid hundreds of millions of dollars to settle cases of police abuse and murder while this coward hides behind his desk. So all these cases that have been going down in Chicago, right? This and this mayor, who used the word whitewash very incorrectly, mm-hmm. is popping out of nowhere, and now he got something to say about the matter. I'm just, what? What is going on? It's interesting, right? It's crazy interesting. And so, 
to me this like like you said like this entire case is very bizarre yeah it's very bizarre and i think the fact that he chose this uh-huh. to speak out yeah sets a tone yeah. like it sets a tone that he was enraged mm-hmm. enough because obviously any other police brutality any other situation right. period did not spark enough anger right him for him to speak up for the citizens of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But this Jesse Smollett situation, when, you know, the charges was dropped, mm-hmm. inspired him enough to speak up mm-hmm. against this situation. So, I don't know, what does it say about Chicago? I don't even know. There's a lot. It seems like a lot's going on behind closed doors, and it's hard to follow because <laughs> we, we don't see what's happening. I also think it's very interesting how Black people have been responding mm. to this situation in general, right? Because when it first came out, everyone was like, oh, my God, what happened to Jesse Smollett? Like, everyone was like, oh, no, this ain't it. And then when news came out that potentially he did him to himself, everyone was like, all right, now. Wait, let's let's be a little bit, let's be a little bit more clear. So uh-huh. it wasn't just black people in general. It yeah. was black women and queer people that was like, oh, my God, what happened you know, to Jesse uh-huh. Smollett? Da, da, da. Black men don't really like mm-hmm. they don't really get involved in this kind of stuff like that a lot. Uh-huh. And then it came out that you know he did it to himself. And then black men came out, yeah, and were just like, wait, 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 no, 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 like this isn't this isn't right. Like yeah. we shouldn't be fighting for this. Like isn't it? Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting to see how people were quick to believe Chicago PD. Honestly, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this super corrupt. Again, I always go back to Laquan McDonald because that was just one that was just really important to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, people, the same police department who was trying to cover up the Laquan McDonald case, mm. as soon as they say that Jesse Smollett might have did it to himself, everyone was like, all right now, Jesse, what you doing here? But everyone seemed to be kind of on the side mm-hmm. of Chicago PD, like, dang, maybe he really did this to himself. No one was like... I didn't see too many people who were still too skeptical. Speaking about celebrities, crazy celebrities, um, I, you actually brought this to my attention, um, the whole Cardi B situation. Mm. So if you guys don't know, three years ago, Cardi was on Instagram Live. I don't, I don't think it was her Instagram Live. She was on someone's Instagram Live talking about how she used to drug men. Mm. She used to, like, you know, go out on dates with these men, then drug them, and then, I guess, go back to their room and then rob them. And this was years ago, yeah. like years, years ago, before she got popular while she was still stripping, obviously, mm-hmm. and saying that she and her excuse for doing this, or her not excuse, but her reason for doing this is because she said she had limited options. She said as a woman who you know was raised poor and didn't having things like this, then any you know who was raised poor and didn't have too much to live off of, this is what she resorted to. Yeah, I actually have some quotes here. Cardi B. Mm-hmm. I had to go strip. I had to go. Oh, yeah. You want to F me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go back to this hotel. And I drug niggas. She said, I drug niggas up and, and robbed rob them. them. Mm-hmm. That's what I used to do. And then she says, I made choices that I did at the time because I had very limited options. I was blessed to have been able to rise from that. But so many women have not. Whether or not there were poor choices at the time, I did what I had to do to survive. Woo. Jesus. Can can we break this down a little bit? Yeah. So, obviously, there are systematic issues at hand, right? Mm -hmm. There are systematic issues at hand that made Cardi B feel like she need to, um, quote, 
rob and drug niggas. She sounded right? like Joanne the Scammer. <laughs> <laughs> Cardi B was the real life Joanne. She was the first Joanne the Scammer. And you're not wrong. Honestly. And, <laughs> truly. Yeah. So, like, obviously, like, I think before we were talking about, like, go into depth about this, we have mm-hmm. to talk about the systematic, like, issues at hand that led her to feel like this what is what she had to resort to right mm-hmm. it was like systematic oppression and her being raised and not really having like opportunities that a lot of other people have right. um to get forward in this world uh-huh. but does that constitute her to behave this way right. to rob people and drug them uh-huh. what do you think no <laughs> no one should be drugged or robbed <laughs> or robbed out of their will I think it's really interesting that she decided to bring this up, honestly, just as a topic, specifically after she won such a surprising Grammy for some Mm. people. You know what I mean? She just won this crazy big Grammy, and now she brings up this topic where she's really talking about drugging people and robbing them, and she says she did what she had to do, but I don't know. I always feel like there's another way. Right. You you shouldn't have to drug and rob people. And um, so it says that on the the, the article, it says that a video surfaced. So this video from three years ago mm-hmm. randomly appeared. And so she felt like she needed to um, address this situation. I know. And so I don't think she's going to face any type of legal actions. Oh, no, definitely not. That's because- I think it's all done. <laughs> unless the only way is if, like, the dude she drugged comes forward. Mm-hmm. I want to know how that works, though. Did he just wake up and, like, Everything gone? and he didn't do nothing about it? Honestly, in that situation, I think you just chop it up to the game. Like yeah, you like as and and it sucks to say, but like as as a man who yeah. like hooked up with a stripper, mm-hmm. it got robbed. And as a man, and this goes and in, goes into kind of what we were talking about earlier about like masculinity, right? Uh-huh. Um, we're so like tied up with this issue. We're like, if that was a woman, a woman would I think feel more inclined to go out and be more public about this. Like this is what happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a man, I feel like we're so prideful. Yeah, and that we that i was taken advantage of right yep. by a woman like wow like i was taken advantage of by a woman yeah. this could never happen to me that like a man would just chop it up to the game like yeah that's where toxic know. masculinity and sexual assault collide uh, oh that's that will that will never be there's so i know there's so many men who have probably been sexual assaulted in fact i know because there were a couple times in uh maybe even like high school where a dude would tell you yeah, bro, I just lost my virginity to a, a older woman, mm-hmm. even maybe even of cougar age, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And they, I guess sometimes they don't realize, sometimes they don't realize they've been sexually assaulted. But it's one of those things where if you get drugged and robbed by the stripper that you, probably seduced you, mm-hmm. you ain't telling nobody. You ain't telling nobody at all. Like like I said, you chop it into the game. You're like, I went to a strip club, you know, I brought her home, and I, you know, I want to have sex with her, mm-hmm. but I also, I, you know, I didn't want to be, you know, drugged and robbed. Right. Uh-huh. So, like, it's one of those things, like, dang it. It's one of those things that's like, dang it. Well, I do better next time. Like, I won't mm-hmm. I won't bring my wallet. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it, and it sucks because I do know a lot of victims of sexual assault. Like, men, like you said, like, they don't know that they were sexually assaulted. Uh-huh. Because we encourage that type of behavior. As in, like, they come and say, like, yeah, like, I had sex with this girl. Uh-huh. But they just said it like that because... To them, it wasn't really sex because yeah. they were sexually assaulted. But then you're like, "What? You had sex with a girl? Like we're we're mm-hmm. clapping them and you know giving them a pat on the back. Great! Like you did what everyone is trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of 
blurs the line a little bit of what's actually sexual assault. Yeah, that's very interesting. I want to know, do you think that since Cardi B technically didn't do anything sexually to them, mm. if it's still considered sexual assault? But that she, we know. She, she did probably seduce them, though. You're right, that we know. That we know of. And I think that's also a tricky like conversation because... I don't know. Because honestly, like, I don't see Cardi, and it depends on the men. I don't mm-hmm. know. And this is just me. Like, I don't see her being able to, like, take, get these men to, like, a room mm-hmm. and drag them to a room. So, like, to me, how how it plays out in my mind is, like, mm-hmm. you know, we get there, you know, to have sex and maybe have some drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I drug you, put in your drink a little bit. You fall out. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have sex. Maybe we don't. Mm-hmm. I take your stuff and I leave. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's more like we scamming, you know? And maybe they don't get around to sex. Yeah, she definitely. Again, she's the real-life joy in the scammer. She was. <laughs> That's really crazy to think about. All right, so let's move on to talk about, like, what? what If people follow you on Twitter, they know you love to talk about movies and things like oh, that. Oh, all the time. What what should we be on the lookout for? What do you think? Um, Coming out this week. Actually, Dumbo's coming out this week. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because it's like, so Disney's coming out with a bunch of movies this summer, right? Aladdin, The Lion King, mm-hmm. and all these back-to-back. And Dumbo kind of feels like the first big one. And it still doesn't feel like that big. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how many people are going to go see it. But I'm going to definitely check out Dumbo. Uh, you guys should, too. Dumbo comes out this week, this Friday. should be amazing. I think it's going to be good. If you haven't already, please check out us. Oh, that movie is absolutely sensational. Jordan Peele, again, is is still a genius. I've never seen almost anything more fascinating. It's a definitely experiment in the horror genre. The tension is amazing. There's a couple comedic uh, moments in there. It definitely leaves enough open to interpretation to reward multiple viewings, right? Like, a lot of people said Get Out was a fluke. It's definitely not a fluke because Us proves that it wasn't a fluke. Um, definitely go see us and I would actually suggest for you to go see us more than one time something else I want to talk about real quick this week Marvel came out with a lot of different posters for Endgame and the posters were just portraits of the different characters in the movie the characters that were in color were still alive Mm. all the characters in black and white were dead (laughs) and what happened was they finally showed Shuri in one of the black and white posters and what the problem with that was we had never seen Shuri we didn't see Shuri die on camera was the problem. And she was the only character we didn't see die on camera. So a lot of people had suspected that Shuri no. might have been still alive. But I think either one, Marvel is lying and Shuri is still alive. Or two, they killed her off camera and yeah, they shouldn't be doing stuff like that. That hurts my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Especially as a person who's not like super like into Marvel as you are. Like yeah. Especially, like as a person who just got into like Marvel at Black Panther because it was such a great film right. and then I watched that and then Infinity Wars and then I went to see Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like we fell in love with Siri. Like we wasn't ready yeah. for her to die. Especially with especially when we didn't see it, you know? Yeah, she'll probably come back though. She'll probably come back. She'll make her way back. Most most of the new Avengers will definitely make their way back. But it was just weird. It felt weird that they killed her off camera. If she's dead, again, they might be lying. But it was weird that they killed her off camera for sure. So how do you feel Uh-oh. about, I saw we posted, about Issa Rae? Oh, my goodness. You mean Issa Bay? <laughs> That's Issa Bay, right? Issa Bay. Yeah. <laughs> Issa Bay. Oh, my God. I seen, so Issa Rae, 
just did this amazing amazing photo shoot for essence and she killed it beautiful skin was glowing and it's probably my favorite photo shoot that she's ever done for sure gorgeous uh her makeup was flawless the the chocolate was radiant Mm -hmm. it was it was definitely um highlight was on point look look almost went into the camera she's like looking at you staring at you in your soul when you look at this picture these multiple pictures um of her in essence it was really was amazing spread so if you haven't seen that check her out on essence you know for sure so you can follow us on social media at channel new york pod and you spell that c-h-a-n-n-e-l-n-o-i-r-p-o-d on twitter and on instagram channel noir like. pod you will yes. be seeing it on our individual instagram and twitter pages channel noir channel noir you can also probably find it on our uh, our personal social media pages i'm mm-hmm. um, at just desmond j-u-s-t-d-e-s-m-u-n-d on twitter and delusional on instagram d-a-e-l-u-s-i-o-n-a-l and i'm m leverett m-l-e-v-e-r-e-t-t underscore on twitter and instagram and before we go, we have our music takeaway. So uh, there's just some songs we've been vibing, vibing lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we decided to do is make a collaborative playlist on Spotify. Yes, yes, yes. So all you have to do is go to Spotify and type in, uh, you can type in two things. You can type in Channel Noir, EP.1, stands for episode one, Channel Noir, EP.1. Or you can look up my name, Desmond Weathers, D-E-S-M-U-N-D-W-E-A-T-H-E-R-S. And it should be the playlist at the top. Check that out. Just a couple songs that we've been vibing for the week. Hopefully you find something new. And even if you don't, I'm sure you'll enjoy them anyway. Because you know Desmond on myself. You know we big music heads. For sure. So we're excited. This is our first episode. It's a pilot episode. Uh, let us know what you guys think. Um, segments that, you, that we should do. Things that we should talk about. Yeah. Uh, interact with us on our social media. Across the board. Let us know what you think of the music. And... That's a wrap. That's it. Hey, Channel Noir, episode one. Out.